Do you have all the things they say should make you happy, but you still feel unfulfilled? Are you always doing what you should do? Or do you never feel like you're enough? And you want to feel better, more fulfilled, more aligned, and more comfortable in your own body? Then this is the show. Scared as fuck and doing it anyway, showing up authentically. My name is Paula Schuster, and I'm a self-love and authenticity coach. My life completely changed when I started loving myself again, putting myself first, and being true to me. This is the show that's going to help you get out of being stuck, out of the cycles of self-abandonment, and help you choose yourself without feeling selfish. It will give you not only inspiration, but awareness, courage, and insights to make changes and live your life for you. Hello, sweet friends, and welcome to the very first episode of the Scared as Fuck and Doing It Anyway, Showing Up Authentically podcast. Yay! It's pretty exciting stuff. I'm your host, Paula Schuster, and I'm super happy and grateful that you're listening in and joining me on this journey. I thought in this first episode, I would talk about what this show is about and share parts of my story so you know more about me and where I'm coming from and talk about why I created this show. This show is about being true to you. It's about overcoming our conditioned, trained, good girl, good boy, masked, made up selves so we can show up who we as who we really are and who we really want to be. It's about learning to really love and choose and accept ourselves fully. It's about getting past our limiting beliefs and believing in ourselves again. And I say again because we did believe in ourselves at one point when we were kids, when we were younger. It's about waking up to our lives and stopping this crazy epidemic around checking societies and our parents and everyone else's boxes instead of our own. It's about deciding to live according to our own rules and desires and about having the courage and commitment to change ourselves and show up differently. It's about setting down what isn't ours to carry and letting the judges have their experience. About forgetting the shoulds and helping each other overcome the fears of not belonging if we do show up as our true selves. Because what's actually impressive is showing up with presence and an open heart. I can say that for more than 30 years of my life, I wasn't living authentic to me. And the result was a shit ton of suffering and anxiety and stress. I felt empty and unhappy and unfulfilled and had really started to ask myself, is this really all there is for me? Is this all there is going to be in my life? When I look back now, when it came down to it, I lacked two essential things, self-love and authenticity. So that's the conversation we're having, and I hope it resonates with you and, and excites you. I hope if you're listening and you aren't living authentically, that by the course of listening to this podcast, that you'll start taking action in your own life. I hope you'll get really good, solid perspective and ideas on how to do that. I'll share my story and tell you how I've been changing my life. I'll share all the tools and practices that I've used to cultivate self-love and walk more authentically on this earth. The things that have really proven to work for me. And you'll hear from other people what has worked for them too. You can ask me questions, tell me what you want to hear. We have ways for you to send them in so, so that we can ask them of our guests. And, you know, I really want to hear from you. Um, you know, what obstacles are you up against? You know, what things are you curious about? What information do you feel like you don't have and need to get where you want to go? You know, what questions do you want answered? And who do you want to hear from? Who do you want? What do you want to learn about? You know, all of the things. I want to know all of the things that you're thinking and want to know. And I'm especially curious if there's anyone who shows up super authentically in the world whose story you want to hear and how they got there. Let me know and I'll invite them on. Um, I'm creating a Facebook group for us to, to have these conversations. I haven't gotten that done quite yet, but I'm working on it. Um, and you can always 
share anything by commenting on social media posts, sending me DMs, emails, you know, whatever and however, just, just let me know what you're thinking and what you want and need, and I'll do my very best to deliver. My other hopes are that you learn something, laugh and cry a little, because that means that we've touched you. Um, I hope you feel seen and heard. I hope you love yourself more. And I hope you're inspired to summon the courage to stop living for everyone else and really show up for your life. And of course, I encourage you to take what serves you and leave what doesn't, because not everything will resonate, and that's fine. So that covers, you know, basically what the show is about. Um, why I created this show will really come to light as I share more or as I share my story here in a few minutes. Um, but for now, I'll just say that I created it because I want to connect with people who are going through the same things as me and to help somebody if I can. And it also feels really good to do this. Um, and my hope is that you feel that way from listening. Uh, it hasn't always felt good for me um, because I was scared as fuck at first, uh, but it's been feeling good the last week or week or two. Um, before I go any on any further, I uh, want to publicly thank my amazing wife, Kara, for all of her help and support. And because she does all of my graphic design and my website techie stuff and adding music to my words and all those things. And I just, I really couldn't do it without her. Um, I've had also a ton of support from my soul sisters and my friends and family. You know who you are. The ones who have encouraged and supported me and shared my excitement throughout everything. Um, thank you. Thank you. This isn't something that I've wanted to do for a long time. In fact, it's really recent. And I was literally following the breadcrumbs the universe was putting in front of me. And um, so a little bit about what I mean about that. At the beginning of 2023, I registered for this coaching program for myself, you know, to, to, um, to eliminate my limiting beliefs, to believe in myself again, to, um, do further work on the, the self-love I had work I had already been doing. And, um, and I was putting a, a ton of time and devotion into that program because I knew that I would get out whatever I put in. And so I was doing all the homework, all the videos, all the things and um, my coach happens to be a really famous podcaster. And so there was a week on podcasting and I thought, oh, this is a bye week for me. I don't have to do, I don't have to do the homework uh, because I'm not going to do a podcast. And so I literally, I didn't do the workbook. I didn't watch the, the video, you know, the recorded thing for that week. I didn't do anything. And I just set everything aside. Um, but then like, I don't know how much long later it was a few weeks later, whatever, during that, that, um, 12 week program, I got an email from an executive radio producer, executive producer of a radio network. And, um, she had somehow come across me and my story and was interested in, um, talking with me about, uh, creating a radio show. And so I filed that away because I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. You know, so I filed the email away and I don't know, ideas about future stuff or something like that. And, um, you know, a few days later, I was sitting there thinking, you know, here I am doing all this work on myself, changing my life, trying to say yes uh, to things more. And I and the universe put this in front of me and I filed it away and said no. So I pulled the email back out and I scheduled an appointment. Uh, a meeting with the lady and we were, we were talking and she was telling me all about what a radio show would look like. And I asked her if they um, did podcasting and she said, yes. And she told me about that. And, um, and she told me that she wanted me to work over the summer to record a bunch of conversations. So uh, leading up to a fall launch. And I said, well, that's not going to work because I'm going to Costa Rica for two months this summer. I'm watching a friend's house and dogs and, um, I, you know, I just won't be able to do that. And she said, well, you know, why don't you buy a microphone and bring it with you to Costa Rica? Because you're probably going to run into some really cool people there and have some cool conversations. So record them and then, you know, we can like help edit them and deal with them when you get back. And so I said, okay, well, I'll think about that. 
And um, so I thought about it and I bought a microphone and I brought it with me to Costa Rica. And turns out I did meet some really cool people and um, I pulled it out and I had a couple of recorded conversations. Um, and by the time I came home from Costa Rica, it, it had really solidified in my mind that, yes, I, I think I will do a podcast and um, it'll be a podcast versus a radio show. And um, and I, when I got home, I was uh, scrolling social media. I had recorded two conversations and um, my coach that I had taken that program from earlier in the year was having a, a, a five-day free workshop um, for on podcasting. And I know how she works her things. She always does a five-day free thing leading up to her paid program. And so I thought, well, I'll do the five-day freebie um, and see what I can see how much I can get out of it and try and, you know, do it on my own. I know I'm not going to take the paid program because uh, I've spent so much money on this other coaching program and, you know, we spent a shit ton of money in Costa Rica and, and I had spent other money investing in my, me and my business throughout the year and, um, had kind of hit the limit. And so I did the five week book, the five day, uh, boot camp, free boot camp, And, um, right toward the end of that, she was talking about how they have scholarships and I thought, okay, well, I'll apply for a scholarship and, and, if I get it, then that's like a sign from the universe that I should take the next step forward. So I applied. Turns out I got a partial scholarship, not a full one, but a partial. So I talked to my wife, Kara, about spending some more money on investing in myself. And she um, sort of gave the green light that it was fine with her. And so so I took the program. And um, the program was like an eight-week program. And for five of the weeks, I was so – I was – basically didn't take any steps forward because I was so fucking scared to show up in this way, to show up in this most authentic way, you know, with my voice over the airways. And, um, and I had picked, I knew I wanted to do my podcast on authenticity because that's the journey that I've been on most recently and what resonates most with me. Um, and, um, I had picked a name and the name just, you know, it, it was, it felt boring to me. It, it wasn't sitting right with me. We had started to work on the cover art for it and I just wasn't liking it and I wasn't taking any steps forward. And so I'm, I was sitting here right at my desk where I am right now one day, uh, basically bawling my eyes out, you know, like really kind of down on myself for not making progress for five weeks. And I was just fucking crying going, I'm so fucking scared to do this. And I'm like, maybe that's it. Scared as fucking doing it anyway. I said, I think that's my new name. And so that's how the name was born. And that felt more like me. It felt more like my fiery personality. I'm a Leo. And <laughs> and so um, so that's how, and then, he, you know, so here I am. And that's how it was all kind of born. Um, so I wanted to tell a little bit about that. Um, and now about me. And there's, there's kind of a lot here. So you, are you ready for all this? <laughs> um, to introduce myself a little bit more, um, I'm a leader, a teacher, a mom, a wife, and a business owner. I'm really a lifelong learner. I love learning and um, taking classes all the time. I'm a seeker. I'm always seeking answers and, and um, truths and and all those things. And then right now I'm, I'm a lover of life. Uh, I'm also a coach, a sound healer and a Reiki master. And when I say teacher, I don't mean school teacher. I mean, I teach workshops and Reiki classes and stuff like that. And in my coaching business, I specialize in empowering people to achieve personal transformation and self-discovery. And I do that through self-love and authenticity and helping them believe in, believe in and prioritize themselves. And I help people shed the conditioning that tells them that they're selfish for putting themselves first. And I just, I love coaching. It's such a fulfilling role for me um, because it's this gift that I get of helping people see what they have within themselves, but can't see for themselves. And they're given the gift of awareness and empowerment. And so it's just like my favorite thing. And, and I'm so honored and humbled to play, you know, a small role in people's journey back home to themselves and, and to wholeness, uh, because we're all whole, right? Like whether or not we know it or realize it yet, we are all whole and don't need to be fixed. We may need to do some healing, 
but we don't need to be fixed. And um, me playing a small role, you know, really emphasizes the point that everybody has the answers that they need within themselves. They might just need someone to help them draw them out. I have two teenagers, a daughter who's 18 and in college. Um, not that I wanted her to go to college. Uh, that's a whole podcast episode in and of itself. Um, and I have a, a son who is a junior in high school. And I don't want to get started on the K through 12 school system either. I I'm, uh, think very differently about school and education and college than I did just a, a few short years ago. Um, and so I guess uh, that's all I'll say about that. I've been married twice, once to a man and now to a woman. Yet another way I'm showing up as my true self. Right now, I live in the Minneapolis area, Minneapolis, Minnesota, but we'll be moving this spring or summer somewhere to the southern part of the U.S. Uh, I lived in Arizona for eight or nine years and moved back to Minnesota because uh, because I missed it so much and also because my job had brought us back, um, thankfully, at, at just the right time because uh, I needed to be around my family and support system when I was divorcing my former husband. Uh, I worked in a corporate job at a large, well-known financial institution, leading organizations, developing strategies and business models, and optimizing processes for over 26 years. And I quit in May of 2022 to pursue more purposeful work because it was sucking the soul out of me and literally destroying my mental health. After that, I, I worked for a hot minute at an organic mushroom farm in Colorado until the universe tested me with abuse to see if I would choose differently, and I did. Um, and I say it that way because I've had a lot of abuse in my past, um, and um, I had done so much healing by that point. Um, so, you know, the universe has a way of doing that, testing you to see see if if you've really healed enough to choose differently. And so the day that I quit the mushroom farm, I bought a tent and I signed up for county fairs, farmers markets, street fairs and expos uh, to build my coaching and Reiki business in the local community. And uh, I just keep taking new steps, learning new things and following my heart. And now I'm also a podcaster. So woohoo. <laughs> um, going a little deeper into the past, there's a lot um, and I'll try to cover it high level or will we could be here for several podcast episodes um but i you know i do this just to give you an idea of you know who i am and where i'm coming from um i was physically and emotionally and verbally abused as a kid it started when i was like 4 years old my sister was 5 and it continued until i was 13 uh my dad hit us and and beat us up and my mom didn't do anything about it um you know he considered it discipline and punishment um, and I, I think, you know, my mom did too. I was also loved and nurtured and praised and supported in so many ways. So it was really confusing growing up with all of that. Um, I had a lot of religious trauma as a kid as well. Like we were forced to go to Catholic school, even though we hated it, it was misery. Um, we went, that meant that we had to go to church every day before school and again on Sundays and, um, and we just fucking hated it. My sister and I would get punished and I use air quotes because, you know, beat every, you know, almost every Sunday after church for snickering in church or smiling or giggling or, you know, whatever kids do. Um, and this was another thing that was so confusing for us because, you know, our, here's our daddy's a staunch Catholic and still is, um, you know, sinning is a big is, and was a big deal to him. So I didn't know what to think when he hit us. Like it felt wrong as a kid, but in his eyes, it wasn't. And he's this staunch Catholic who's supposed to know everything. So was that okay in the eyes of, you know, the Lord? Um, now I know that, you know, it's all he knew because his dad had disciplined him in, in such harsh ways too. You know, like he was beat up when he misbehaved. So anyway, um, that happened until we went to the police and moved out of our parents' house when I was 13. Um, thankfully, we saved our younger brothers from getting beat up too. 
Um, so that was, you know, one of the reasons why we went to the police and because we wanted it to stop. But one of our friends' moms was um, kind enough to take us in. It was like she was a safe haven for us. Um, and I only stayed away for like probably four or six weeks. It's hard to remember now because it's so far back. But my sister stayed away for a much longer time. It had to have been at least three or six months, um, something like that. But that's what finally got him to stop was, um, you know, we had gone to the cops, the cops, you know, basically threatened him and, um, and that, that finally made him stop. So that, you know, that all had a really drastic effect on me, um, because the person who was supposed to love me started hitting me when I was so little, I was so young, I was only four. And, um, and I also didn't develop emotionally like I should have because of that, you know, my, my little brain interpreted that in so many fucked up ways. Um, one of which was a belief that I needed to be perfect. And if I stepped out of line, I would be hurt. So that started my wonderful journey as a perfectionist and a chronic people pleaser, uh, you know, always being in a state of threat and endless vigilance, you know, where I, I really couldn't develop healthy, healthy relationships. The other huge effect it um, had on me was the thought um, that my mom and dad, you know, they didn't know how to parent me any better than I knew how to parent myself. So I didn't listen to a thing they said from the age 13 on. And that, you know, was really unhealthy. That kept me in my 13-year-old emotional self for a very long time until I was in like my early 40s or even longer. Um, you know, my mom... My mom didn't talk about emotions, you know, when we were growing up, unless they were positive emotions or happy emotions. She tried to hide when she was mad, sad, angry, or was crying. And she acted as though you shouldn't feel those feelings. And so that's what I learned to do too. Um, you know, every time she started to cry or anything, she would shove that down and say, oh, I shouldn't do this. And, and that stuck with me um, until geez, you know, not that long ago, just three, four, five years ago or something. I always shoved it down and said, I'm fine when I really wasn't. You know, now I know how unhealthy that is. And I'm still, still helping my kids unlearn and relearn, you know, to talk about things and get it off their chest because they saw me do that for so long that they, you know, that's what, that's what they do too. So we're still working on that. My mom also cared a great deal about what other people thought, and she really let that rule her life. So that's what I ended up doing too. Um, you know, as long as we were dressed up nice and pretty for church and looked good on the outside, it didn't seem to matter how we felt and what we thought on the inside. And, um, you know, I know that's not what she was really trying to do or teach us, but again, that's how my kid brain interpreted things that were going on. And so for, you know, most of my life then from forward on, you know, I was, I was worried about what everybody else thought. I didn't, you know, I didn't worry as much as about what I thought. And I was checking boxes for everybody else, trying to meet everybody else's expectations, but my own. So, um, that was, that caused a lot of, um, uh, you know, stress and suffering in my life. Um, let's see. So I started drinking alcohol when I was 13, smoking cigarettes, smoking pot, and having sex. I was looking for love in all the wrong places and saying yes to basically any drug that was put in front of me. Uh, part of it was just being a rebel. And uh, part of it was numbing, you know, trying to numb the pain of what had happened to me. The rebel part was, was really going, uh, it was really about going against my parents and the freaking Catholic church that my parents forced on us all of our lives. Um, and my parents just always said no to everything. Like, don't just don't do anything. Um, don't do any of that stuff. And that didn't work for me. You know, I needed like a cool adult in my life who would talk to me in a real way about things and let me experiment in a safe way. And because I didn't have that, I went full board to the other end of the spectrum. And, um, cause that's just my personality or was at the time. And, um, that really started my path to alcohol and drug abuse and addiction as a teenager and into adulthood. I was hanging out at the bar by the, in a bar by the time I was 15, I was addicted, addicted to cocaine by the time I was 16. 
And I was doing crack, crank, meth, ecstasy, and whatever else people would put in front of me, really, in addition to drinking heavily. Um, I even tried heroin once, but I didn't shoot it. I snorted it. But still, I mean, my God, um, I stopped the whole cocaine thing a couple of years later when I was 18. I just quit cold turkey because uh, I had just had enough and I wasn't happy with how it was going. Um, I was roofied and raped when I was 18 and told by the police that I shouldn't try to press charges because I was underage at a bar and that I had willingly gone to the after party with the guy, with um, the guys that we were with. And so basically I had asked for it. And um, to top that off, my uh, supposed best bestie, you know, friend that I was with wouldn't take me out of the house where and when it happened because she didn't believe that I had been raped because I wasn't beat up and bloody. So that was a that was a hard one to to get through, um, and you know another one where I don't know if I really allowed myself to heal from it. I just, you know, pushed that down and um, and didn't really process it much. Uh, I always kept my shit together, though, and I'm kind of using air quotes when I um, say kept my shit together, uh, meaning I got good grades in school while all this was going on. I even went to college in my junior and senior years of high school and graduated high school with a two-year degree. Uh, the drinking and drug use can, continued until I was uh, about 24, mostly on the weekends, um, except for when I worked at a biker bar and then I par partied um, quite a bit during the week, too. Uh, but once I graduated from college and and I was with my former husband at the time or by this time, um, and he had just gone through treatment for alcoholism and was sober. And so, you know, I had graduated from college. I became more responsible. And again, I'm kind of using air quotes uh, with the word responsible because, um, you know, I was still drinking, but it was on the weekends and it was great because I had this sober driver now. Uh, but I, you know, was kind of more responsible during the week because I was focused on my career and I really wanted to climb the corporate ladder and, and move up and stuff. So I was putting a lot into work. Um, my former husband was emotionally and verbally abusive. Shocker. I know, right. I mean, with all this, uh, going on, you attract, you know, what, you know, um, he had a hot temper at first, and it wasn't that bad until he started drinking again after he had been sober for 15 years. So, um, our, but our marriage had already followed, started falling apart after our first child was born. Um, there was just no intimacy in our relationship, sexually, communicatively, emotionally, nothing. And, you know, that was bad enough. And then when he started drinking again, he got really emotionally and verbally abusive. Um, so, you know, we had gotten to the point where we only yelled at each other and I was really unhappy. Uh, I was only 40 and, um, I still, I thought to myself, well, I still have half my life to live and I want to be happy. Um, and I also, so that was a big driver for me, just wanting to be happy. And then I also knew that I had to show my kids a better relationship. All they were seeing was yelling and shouting and anger and ickiness and, I didn't want them to end up in re in a relationship like ours. So I'm like, I have to show them a better example. This has to change. So that was another big driver uh, for me to get divorced. Um, somewhere around four years old, I started drinking every day from the stress of it all. Um, I was a functioning alcoholic for about 12 years. And... Um, when I say functioning alcoholic, I mean, I literally drank every day. There were maybe five days in that 12 years where I didn't drink and I drank a lot. Um, but I, you know, I still held down my job and I was earning exceeds ratings at work and all. Um, but maybe, maybe one or two years I got meets, um, and I continued to get promotions and all of that stuff. But, you know, eventually I started going downhill too. Um, and my relationships at work and in my personal life were suffering from, from all the booze. You know, I, I was drinking a shit ton and not getting any sleep. And then my emotions were all out of whack and I was too emotionally invested at work. And that started to come through. Um, and the kids weren't seeing a healthy mom either at all. So, uh, but it had been going on for so long, you know, I just didn't see a way out of it. I didn't even know what my life would be like without booze. 
Um, I came out as a lesbian when I was 42 uh, and I, I didn't get divorced because of that. You know, I got divorced because I was unhappy and wanted to show my kids different. And then um, the first person that I just happened to fall in love with was a woman. <clears throat> but when I came out when I was 42, the first thing my mom said to me was, you're not a lesbian, Paula. You're just going through a stage. And I and I couldn't believe it. And then again, I could. Um, I know, you know, that she had had always seen me with men, you know, all my life, but I mean, come on, you know, I was 42 and she still wasn't seeing me for me. And, and I, and my brother had even come out as gay years before that. So they already had a gay son that they had accepted and all this stuff. So it wasn't like, um, an acceptance thing, but you know, she just wasn't seeing me for me. And, um, yeah, anyway, the, the woman just happened to be the first person I fell in love with after my divorce. And, and I was finally ready to accept that about me. Uh, you know, I remember having feelings for women and being attracted to them and wanting to experiment with them and all of those things. And I always thought that was a part of me that, that I should be ashamed of, you know, that it was this perverted part of me that should be hidden. And, and, um, and honestly, I didn't even, I don't even know if I consciously realized that, that that's who I was. It, it, I don't know. Um, but Anyway, uh, here I am. <laughs> it took a little getting used to for the kids, uh, especially my daughter, but uh, they adjusted and accepted and loved me through it. So that was really amazing. And ever since I met my wife, um, I've been on a path of healing, really. She's the first person who has loved me for exactly who I am, no matter if I was an alcoholic or a smoker or whatever it was. She didn't necessarily like it all. Like she didn't like that I smoked cigarettes at the time and, and all that, but she gave me the unconditional love that I needed and the space to figure it out on my own. And no one had ever, ever shown me that before. I mean, it brings me to tears almost thinking about it. Um, I don't know if I ever would have healed and gotten clean and sober without her love. I had um I had stopped all the other drugs except cigarettes, alcohol, and pot, you know, years before I met her. Uh, so those were the vices I I was still heavily involved with. And that was just a little over seven years ago when we met. Um, but I had wanted to quit smoking cigarettes and drinking for many years. I mean, it was a a deep daily yearning. I would beat myself up all the time because I didn't have the willpower to quit. Um, you know, again, I just didn't see a way out. I, my whole life revolved around it and I just couldn't, um, see the how in the current moment, but I had a vision, uh, and it eventually happened. So first I quit smoking cigarettes after like 33 years. Um, and that was about five years ago now. And then I quit drinking three or so years ago. Uh, and that was probably the hardest thing because, again, by that point, my whole life revolved around drinking. I mean, I wouldn't go to certain restaurants because I couldn't get a drink or a drink that I liked. Uh, so it was pretty crazy. I didn't even know who I was without it or if I, if I even could have fun without booze um, because I had done it since I was 13, you know. Uh, so... Um, and then I finally broke up with cannabis that, and that happened only about 60 days ago, but I'm 60 days, 60 days without it. And I'm not turning back, you know, and someday I might have a drink or a hit, um, of pot or whatever, but you know, right now I'm liking my streak of sobriety and how I feel with, without all that shit weighing me down. Um, you know, I always thought that pot made me feel more like myself. And now that I'm not doing it, I'm like, feel like so much more myself. Oh my God, I, what a falsity that was that I had created for myself. Um, I just, I feel brand new. I feel so much more like myself. I feel, feel clear and bright and like my energy is stronger. It's just amazing. Uh, and I'm really proud of all I've accomplished and, and all that I've shown my kids is possible. Like you can really do anything that you set your mind to. And um, you just have to be committed and devoted to yourself and what you really want. Um, and I really love myself for taking my power back because 
and showing myself that I can do it because all of those things had power over me and I let them. Uh, it wasn't just people that had power over me. Like I had given my some of my power to my former husband and um, in regards to my self-esteem and things like that. And then I had allowed these, allowed these um, vices, if you will, to, to have power over me too. And now I know I can do fucking anything. So bring it on. <laughs> so that's all my trauma and crap. And now I want to share my healing journey um, because that's lighter and brighter. <laughs> and um, so much of the more recent me. I always say that it started with yoga and essential oils, but I'm realizing I think that it really started with me being truthful about loving women and really accepting that about myself. Uh, but yoga helped me get out of my head and into my body. It helped me release stored trauma and emotions. Um, I mean, I remember when I first started yoga, I would be bawling after a yoga practice or really fucking mad. <laughs> and luckily my teacher had told me that all that would happen, you know, so I just let it come out. And, you know, after a couple of months or a few months, you know, I, it wasn't, it had kind of run its course or whatever, but yoga helped me slow down and get present with myself. And, and, you know, that was really something that I had never done in my life until that point. And I was like 43, 44, 45 years old, something like that by this point, which just seems crazy to me. Um, but then, and essential oils really helped me start to remove toxic products from our home. And when I made those changes, I could literally feel the difference in my health and well-being. And that's just no joke. Uh, I'm really, you know, in tune with my body. Um, and since I had, you know, kind of cleaned up my diet and I was getting rid of, you know, the cigs and the booze and, and all that, um, when I really when I made the changes with the toxic products and what I was putting on my body, I could, I noticed a difference in how I felt. Um, probably the biggest and most impactful part of my healing journey was getting attuned to and receiving Reiki energy. And, and this, that was in October of 2020. Um, I was attuned to all three levels in one week at a retreat and had a huge awakening type of experience uh, and I've shared this part of my story with so many people and on on lots of other podcasts now. So I hope it's not redundant. And, and so I'll make it short, but I literally felt myself or my soul coming back home to my body during my Reiki level one attunement. It was it was amazing. And, and it was just so much awareness and so much healing and so much shedding of trauma and layers of stuff from all the years. I came home from those seven days literally a completely different person so much so that my family was questioning who I was and I was saying well we're finding out and um Reiki has just helped me heal in so many ways it's it's such a beautiful and powerful healer I immediately came home uh from that uh retreat and started my business because there was no way uh that I couldn't share this or that I wasn't going to share this healing modality uh, with others that had had such a profound impact in my life. Like I just had to share it because it had helped me so, so much. Um, and six months later, I went back to the place where I was trained in Reiki and got my life coaching certification. And that was another profound and powerful experience of greater awareness and compassion and healing and all this beauty. Um, and by that time, I had also taken other Reiki classes locally here where I live, and um, and I kept taking classes. So I've been attuned somewhere around 10 times. And for those of you who are familiar with Reiki, it has a cum cumulative effect. And so the more attunements you have, the stronger and more powerful your energy channel is. And so therefore, the stronger and more powerful uh, you know, your Reiki is for when you're um, giving other people treatments. And I just believe that that boosted my healing in, in, um, in all sorts of subtle and not so subtle ways. Um, another thing I started doing was having all these readings, like astrological readings, medium and psychic readings, uh, past life readings, energy healings, all these things. And um, anyway, one of the readings that really stands out in my healing journey was an astrology reading that I had while I was on my Reiki retreat back in 2020. Shiva Das was the one giving me the reading. Um, love you, Das, if you happen to be listening. 
Um, and something he said, well, everything he said really resonated, but one piece of advice that he gave me really stuck with me. And that was that I should have a daily spiritual practice. Um, he asked me if I had one and I said, well, I do yoga a couple times a week. And he just looked at me like, dear child, <laughs> that's not what I mean. Uh, but, and he went on to say that I needed to have a daily practice, like 10 minutes of meditation. And so I took that seriously and I started dabbling in meditation when I got home and it took me two years of doing it here and there, reading about it, seeing others in my life, talking about it and, and having a committed practice before I actually had a consistent daily practice myself. So it took me two years uh, to get consistent. And um, I've been med meditating daily now for almost 18 months. And it's another big standout in my, my healing journey. Meditation or meditating centers me. It gets me into the present. It allows me to hear my intuitive messages and whispers and downloads. Um, in the beginning, when I was first starting out, it helped me respond rather than react to people and situations in my life, which I really needed a lot of help with at the time. Now it's just, now it's a non-negotiable. I must do it every morning or I can really feel the difference. I'm more easily frustrated, irritable, emotional, et cetera, et cetera, if I don't meditate. So a big takeaway here for anyone listening is to start meditating if you don't already. And 10 minutes is fine. I like doing 30 or 40 minutes now if my schedule allows, but start with 10 or even five if that's all the time you have. Just start. Um, and know that meditation isn't about quieting your mind. Uh, minds wander. That's what minds do, just like hearts beat and send blood throughout our bodies. Meditation is about being the observer of your thoughts, about helping you realize that you aren't your thoughts. And one thing that might help is to think of yourself as the sky and your thoughts as the clouds. You know, they're just passing on by. You know, I, I mean, you can get to a place of having a quiet mind once you've been practicing meditation for a while, but it takes practice. And and even when you do practice a lot or for a long time, you don't always get to the quiet place. You know, sometimes it just doesn't happen. Just know that that isn't the goal um, to start. But, you know, as I started meditating and realizing that I wasn't happy with my life as it was, even though I had done so much healing and, and come so far from where I had been, um, you know, I still wasn't really happy. I hated my job. I hated myself. I hated my body. How I hated how I treated the people I cared about the most. Uh, I hated the negative thoughts I always had. So I started asking myself, what do you want? You know, what do I want? Um, I started asking, who am I really? What do I really believe? What would make me happy? You know, all these things. And it was really fucking scary because I didn't love myself and I didn't really know who I was without the corporate job and the corporate title and the corporate salary and all that bullshit. So, you know, those were the next pieces of pieces for me, learning to love myself and doing the deep inner work that that requires and figuring out who I am. And, um, and then surrendering was a big, big thing too. I mean, I started practicing surrendering, uh, to what is instead of resisting it all the time, because man, was I, you know, a bit of a control freak, you know, I wanted things to be a certain way. And when they weren't, you know, I didn't like it. I, I resisted. So it was a big time practice for me to, um, to practice surrendering and just like letting things be as they are. Uh, going with the flow more, trusting that my my higher self and the universe have intelligence and a plan that has to be much better and way more than I could possibly dream of or think of think of myself. Um, and so you know the the loving myself part involved lots of things, but most of all it was it was commitment and devotion to myself and to my tools and practices. Um. You know, it involved taking classes, setting boundaries, letting go of some of the people in my life, uh, reading the Four Agreements book, which is a big standout for me, um, 
that involved reflecting and journaling on journaling on what I did love about myself, because even though I hated so many things about myself, there were things I still loved. So that's where I started, you know, like I love that I have courage and that I'm a go-getter and, you know, some of those things. Um, So even though I, you know, I was, I was mean to myself, there were things I found, I was able to find things that I loved about myself. And then I, you know, had to be willing to change my beliefs and, um, and I had to put a shit ton of awareness on my thoughts and what I was telling myself because it wasn't healthy. You know, it was not nice. Um, and I used a lot of different tools and practices along the way. And, and I, and I'll talk about some of those now. So meditation is number one, of course. Um, the, the number one tool for me, um, is meditation. Um, another one was self-love mirror work. And so this is where I would, um, get in the mirror and for me, I would get real close up into the mirror. And the reason for that is because when I stand back in the mirror, I'm not looking in my eyes. I'm looking at my hair, at my glasses, at my face, at my necklace, my earrings, you know, my, uh, my neck, you know, all the things. So for me, if I'm going to look in my eyes, I got to get right up close to that mirror. And I would get right up close and tell myself, I love you, Paula. And it was really, really fucking hard to do the first time. I almost couldn't say it to myself, but I did. And I was bawling my eyes out the first time. And and like I said, I could barely do it, but it got easier and easier. It's a practice. And now I smile, I smile big and wide when I do it. And it's uh, so much easier. Um, Another part of the self-love mirror work for me, and this is one of my, was one of my favorites and still is, was to take a dry erase marker and write affirmations and positive reminders on my bathroom mirror so that I would see them every morning and be looking at them the entire time I was getting ready and then, you know, see them again throughout the day as I'm going to the bathroom. So, um, some, and I'll just throw out a, a, some examples of what I would put up there. Um, act like the person you want to be. Be a witness, which would help me with my meditation. Be love, give love. Brand new you. Love yourself. What small step can you take today to be who you want to be? And then the four agreements I would write up there. And those are be impeccable with your word. Don't take things personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. And I highly recommend that book. It's a really easy, quick read. And um, it's just just amazing, amazing perspective. Um, Another tool in practice that I love, love, love is a morning appreciation practice before even opening my eyes. So In the morning when I wake up, before I even open my eyes, I uh, feel into things that I am appreciative of. And I only pick a couple and it's not just listing them off quickly. It's spending three to five minutes on each one of them and, um, and not just thinking about why I appreciate them, but feeling it in my body. And sometimes it's just that, you know, I... I'm really cut the sheets feel really comfortable on my skin. And I'm so glad I have this comfortable, warm bed that I sleep in. Um, and sometimes it's bigger things in my life, but you know, I pick three to five things and I spend the time doing that. And that really sets the, the stage for my day. Um, another, uh, tool and practice that I used was awareness of my daily thoughts. And I'm talking about obsessive awareness, <laughs> And, um, I can be a little obsessive. Like I said, I I was kind of a control freak. And so I'm taught. And so I, you know, being obsessive is, is, um, was kind of a little bit easy for me. (laughs) Um, so this aware, this obsessive awareness of my daily thoughts, uh, did, did come easy. Um, and I put post-it notes everywhere to remind myself in the beginning, um, when I did need a little bit of help. And so I, I would put them on my kitchen cupboards, on the outside of the fridge, on the inside of the fridge, on my bathroom mirror, on the side table next to the couch where I always sit. They'd be on my computer, all over my work area. I mean, everywhere. And these notes would say things like, what's your fe- frequency and vibration? Where is your focus? Find a better feeling thought. How are you feeling? Bring it back to love. You are love you can do this. And they would be all over the house. And when they weren't sticky enough, even anymore, I'd make new ones. 
And then once I was aware, constantly aware of my thoughts, I started changing them and changing my relationship to them. So, you know, the reason why I was so good at having all these negative thoughts is because I had practiced them for so long. And so it was the same thing with, with, uh, then changing that to positive thoughts. You just have to practice them and train your brain and, and then you'll be good at it. And so that's what I did. Um, and then the, the part about changing, uh, changing my relationships to relationship to the thoughts, you know, I just, I don't fuse with them. You know, I, um, don't, you know, allow them to build so much momentum that, that they're taking me over. And I don't like allow them to soak in so much. If, if that makes sense, I, I allowed them and built a separation knowing it was my ego and my primitive brain's natural tendency toward negative bias, because that's true for us humans. Um, another practice that I did was awareness of self-talk. So similar to awareness of my daily thoughts, I was hyper aware of my self-talk and this is both internally and out loud. So, you know, for example, when, when I used to do something wrong, I would say, oh, I'm such an idiot or, oh, I'm so dumb or I'm not any good at X or, you know, I've heard, um, you know, friends or people around me say, oh, I'm so, I have really bad anxiety. You know, all of these words, they carry energy and frequency and vibration and that matters. Um, but I used to really beat myself up badly too, when I, uh, when I wouldn't get everything done on my to-do list, you know, or get everything accomplished. And I was really mean to myself. So I made a decision to stop it. And, um, you know, and, and again, this is big because all this words and thoughts, you know, they carry energy within ourselves and outward to others and out into the world too. And, um, so it matters way more than, than we realize, you know, if it, and when you think about it, you know, if we spoke to our friends and our children like that, would they be our friends and would our children want to be around us? And then, you know, think about how we speak to people we care about. We're forgiving and kind. We offer encouragement and support and we're compassionate. So, you know, that's how we should each be treating ourselves. And so that's, that's how I started treating myself. And again, everything's a practice. So I just literally trained myself to be nice to myself. And now it just comes, comes so much easier. And I, I also immediately recognize now when false thoughts are creeping in because that's what they are, falsities that we create and start believing that are true because we've practiced them so much. But I, you know, I'm thankfully I'm able to catch them right away now and stop them in their tracks, replacing them with, you know, more positive and empowering thoughts like I can do this or I can do anything or this can be easy if I allow it to be. Um, one thing that I use is just a quick little cute story. So when we were in Costa Rica this summer, we were um, we wanted to to slide down this one waterfall. So you had to climb up this rickety metal ladder up the side of this like huge rock structure formation thing to, in order to slide down the waterfall. And so, you know, I'm climbing up this rickety wire ladder that I'm like, Oh my God, is this thing going to hold me? But every rung of the ladder that I stepped up on, I was like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Um, and I used to be so afraid of heights and as I've healed, thankfully that's gone away. But, um, and so that's what I think of sometimes now, like I'll close my eyes and I'll be like, and I'll picture myself walking up that or climbing up that rickety ladder. And I'll be like, I can do this. Um, so that's fun. Uh, another thing that I have learned to do another tool or practice that I use that, and this is a big one. I learned to set down what is not mine to carry. This is so huge. This is basically breaking our codependency patterns and they run deep, especially for women, because we are conditioned and trained to worry about everyone around us and to basically abandon ourselves in the process. Uh, but it also affects men because women have been raising the girls and the boys. So it's literally an epidemic now. Uh, and corporate America also breeds this kind of behavior with the whole 
Well, everyone's perception is their reality. So you have to change to accommodate them and how they're feeling thing. Oh God, I don't know how many times over the years I got that bullshit. But this is, this is so, so huge. This was like mind blowing. Um, so this whole codependency thing and setting down what isn't ours to carry. This is when we worry about what other people are going to feel as a result of our actions or inactions. It's us worrying about what people will think about us or what we put out into the world. We're not for everyone and that's okay. Um, it's us feeling bad when we don't, I don't know, eat all the food on that someone put on our plate or when we say no to friends, when we have plans, but we need to cancel them because of our mental health or whatever, whatever it is that we feel bad about when it comes to others and, you know, worrying about how they're going to think and feel. So again, this is big. So listen up. It is not our responsibility to make sure everybody feels good. It is their responsibility to make sure they feel good. We need to let others have their own experience. And when we don't, we're essentially stealing their experience from them. They need to have their experience for their own growth. It's our responsibility to be in integrity with ourselves, to be in our truth, to love ourselves enough to choose our truth. And we need to be free as a society, as a collective of being responsible for everybody's feelings. This, you know, this was absolutely mind blowing for me and so freeing when I first, you know, sort of learned about this and realized it. Um, and I'll also say that it's been one of the hardest things to put into regular practice again, because it's so deeply ingrained in me, especially when it comes to my kids. I mean, those poor kids, I, I was taking away all of their experiences and growth by taking it all on for them. Um, I mean, I don't know, like they would breathe weird or look weird. And I'd be like, are you okay? Are you okay? You know, I mean, it was ridiculous. I don't do it anymore for the most part. Um, but I mean, this really, this one really is still a work in progress for me because it's so deeply, like I said, so deeply ingrained, but that's a big one, man. Set down what isn't yours to carry. We aren't responsible for other people, for other how other people feel, period. Um, another uh, practice that I used or tool uh, was changing everything that I consume. So I had already changed what I was eating um, and had gone all organic or like 95% organic. And um, most of the products that I was using uh in my house and on my body, you know, I, and what I hadn't converted, I finished doing that. Um, and then, then I tackled the music that I was listening to and then the TV and the movies I was watching. I mean, I hadn't watched the news for a long time already by that point, because who needs that shit anyway? It's a bunch of BS. Um, so I cleaned up the rest of what I was watching and set some rules and then noticed how I felt when I broke the rules. And the truth of it was that I felt shitty when I watched a movie with a bunch of shooting or violence or hate in it. Um, and so I really stick to my rules now. And sometimes I can't even watch dramas or really dramatic shows. Um, just a qu another quick kind of funny share. Um, I used to watch this show called Brothers and Sisters years ago, and I absolutely loved that show. I would cry almost every episode, which is why I loved it, because it really touched me. And um, my wife and I started watching it again recently because she had never seen it. And um, and after several episodes, I was like, I can't fucking watch this anymore because it's so dramatic and it's so full of a shit ton of codependency and reactive people and fighting and secrets and not communicating with each other and just ick. Anyway, um, I'm super picky about what I'll watch now for TV and movies. And, um, of course, you know, part of this, uh, changing everything I consume, of course, I cleaned up my social media feed and now it's, you know, it's full of positive vibe stuff and only people that build me up and, and, um, of things that make me feel good, like trees and nature and puppies and kittens <laughs> and stuff like that. I mean, it wasn't that long ago where I was like super heavily involved in all the political 
fighting and that online on social media. And I just, um, I cleaned it all up. And then another piece of, um, you know, this, cause you, you know, you are everything you consume. It's everything. So studies show that we become the five people that we are around the most. So I started pouring love and positivity into the people I'm around the most. So that's what would be reflected back to me. And, you know, of course we're human and things aren't always good and positive and we're here to experience the full range of human emotions. So, you know, we allow those feelings when they do come and we just move quickly out of them. And that makes a difference. I mean, quickly moving away from negative feelings and emotions. This was another big one for me because I used to get there and stay stuck there for a long time. Um, it, it, for me, it was really hard. And once all that momentum is built up, built up within me, um, with all that emotion behind it, I mean, yeah, I would really stay stuck and, and I noticed and acknowledged that's what I was doing or that's what I did. So I started to practice putting my full attention on whatever negative thing it was that I was feeling and allowing it rather than resisting it. And then I would let myself stay there for just a minute or two, knowing that that's that was all I was going to give myself. And then I had to make a choice to move on. And again, it was a practice. And, you know, now that I've done that for a while, I'm so much better at it. Um, I don't get and stay stuck. It's pretty rare that that happens to me now. I, I'm able to move out of it quickly. Um, and then finally, the final piece of the consumption part was my space. Um, I've always been really neat and tidy and and um, a clean person, but there was a ton of stuff in our house that was sort of weighing weighing us down. And so as part of the process that we went through before putting our house up for sale, um, also knowing that we were going to downsize, we went through and got rid of so much crap. You know, you have, all, you know, or at least I did have all the clothes in your closet that you keep because you might wear them someday, um, someday again, or, or uh, how about the ones that that you buy because you liked them okay, but not really that much. And so the tags are still, you know, they're hanging there with the tags still on them. I got rid of it all. And um, I took my closet down to like 20% of, of what it was before. And it felt so good. Uh, and this, you know, that might not resonate with a lot of people. Um, and I get that. So like I said before, take what serves you and leave what doesn't. And we kind of had went through our whole house like, with that kind of mentality, you know, like let's just shed all of this stuff that we don't need, that we don't use. It's just sitting here and it's not really serving us. Another tool or practice that I used um, was EFT tapping, emotional freedom technique tapping. And I won't go into this a lot, um, but just know that this is a really easy and effective um, modality um, that I really love a lot. And when I do find things creeping up, whether it's limiting beliefs or money, I'll go back um, and use that. And then another thing that I did was figured out how to play again and have fun because I didn't even, I mean, God, it had been so long since I had played other than, you know, doing things with booze involved. So I didn't even know how to play anymore because um, it had been so long. And so I had to really sit down and think about this. Like it took me a good I don't know, week or something to come up with some things that would be fun and playful and make me giggle and feel like a kid again. Um, and so some of the things that I came up with were jumping on a trampoline, coloring, uh, doing latch hook rugs. So I went out and bought some of those um, and jumping off a diving board, you know, so that was all fun. And so I scheduled those things into my days and um, Come this spring or summer, I'll be heading to the amusement park because I love roller coasters. So, um, so that'll be a thing. So fun and play. And, you know, there are other, there's other tools and practices um, that I've used, but these, those are all the best and most effective ones. And um, considering the time, probably all that I have time to cover today. So I hope you can benefit from some of those. Um, so that covers a lot of what I did on my journey to heal and transform myself and to change how I was showing up in the world. And I say that kind of in past tense, but really I'm a work in progress. Like it's not done. Um, as I've been doing all these things, it, you know, it's opened me up. It, 
I started finding myself and who I am. Um, and it just really happened naturally. I started feeling my heart's desires and following them because I didn't do that for, oh my God, all my life. Um, and I started hearing and tuning into my intuition again and following the breadcrumbs that were put in front of me. And that's how I got to here now doing this podcast. And so basically all of that is why I created this show because I didn't live my life for me for so much of my life. And if I can help just one other person by sharing my stuff, then it's worth it to me because I want everyone to love themselves and to be their most authentic selves and to live life for them because that's what we're supposed to do. You know, life is supposed to be good. We're supposed to be happy and not stressed to the hilt about our life and our work. We're, you know, we, we come here to this earth to feel joy and be creative and sometimes just be and not do anything. You know, and, and we don't come because we have an obligation to be productive all the time and to work a ton of hours to get things accomplished. And I just think that, you know, if, if everyone on the planet really loved themselves more and we're actually living our lives the way we want to, you know, imagine the world we'd have. It'd be a much better place. I'm... I can say now that I am creating a life that I cannot wait to wake up to every day. And I want that for you. And I want that for everyone. So there you go. That's a lot about me and my journey and why I created this podcast. And um, I'll put the tools and practices I talked about in the show notes in case you want to refer to them. Um, thank you so much for being here for my first solo episode I hope um, that this podcast is relatable and that it resonates with you. And I hope it's giving you perspective and nourishment and inspiration. I appreciate you so very much that it's it's so much that it's hard to put into words. It means so much to me that you're spending your your time here with me. Um, there are so many good episodes coming up soon. So follow along on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And if you like the podcast, please review it. Reviews are an amazing, amazing gift. Um, they really help me a ton. And um, if you know anyone who would like this particular episode or benefit from it, please send them the link, text them, you know, or post about it on your social handles, your social pages. And um as always, if you have questions that you want answered, I say as always, it's my first episode. Um, if you have questions that you want answered on the podcast or things that you want to hear about or have help with or even guests that you want to hear from, uh, you can email me at paula at reikiflowmn.com. That's R-E-I-K-I-F-L-O-W-M-N.com. I love you so much. Thanks again for being here.